ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? How we doing? <laughs> He's Blank. I'm Branham. Joe George, assistant to the regional manager behind the glass. It is a Taco Tuesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Baseball season's over as far as mm. we know it. I'm going to watch one more baseball game this year. The one tonight. I'm not going to watch. No, that's it. That's it. Just, that's it. Watch I'm, one I'm more baseball with game you. this year. I was like, no. You know what? There's a lot of baseball still. I'm anxious to see how it turns out. No, I'm not. Yeah, game sevens are always fun to watch. So, you know, you, you root for the underdog or you root for the team that you think has the best chance to beat the Rangers. That, that, that's what you got tonight. This was uh, not a not a fun game to sit through yesterday. Astros fall 11-4. to They lose game seven of the ALCS against the hated Texas Rangers. Uh, the Rangers going to the World Series where they try to do something they've never done before. The Astros season is over. It's the second big-time series alike with the 2019 World Series where the home team never wins a game in the series. The Astros brought it home 3-2 to two both times. Couldn't win a game at home in 19. Couldn't win a game at home in 2023. Astros lose. Christian Javier gets one out. Astros offense tries to get in the game a couple of different times. couple of different times. They strand runners at third base with less than two outs. The long relievers didn't do their job. J.P. France, Dusty's taking a lot of heat for using J.P. France. He gave up four runs, didn't get three outs in this game. Could Dusty have managed things a little bit better in the bullpen? Yes. Uh-huh. Could Christian Javier have given you more than one out? Yes. Could the offense have come through with runners at third base less than two outs? Yes. When you when you lose 11-4, to four, it is a mountain of problems. And that oh. game yesterday was a mountain of problems. There's no doubt. It obviously it starts with the inability of pitchers to get guys out. It's followed up by the continuing struggles to get runners home in scoring position with less than two outs. And then it's the fact that if you're dusty and you did have a relatively quick trigger with Javier that you left JP France in there and then it was basically already out of reach by the time he was done. You looked at it and just said that's where it gets insurmountable. I don't mind three early. I don't mind keeping it in the 2-3 the range where I think that you still, within striking distance, when you get over that number in a game seven and everybody's hand, you know, all hands are on deck with the other team's pitching staff, that's a pretty pretty tall hill to, to climb. Yeah, I was not good with three in the first because Christian Javier got one out. Like yeah. That was unbelievable. Like, big game Javi, was it fair to expect big game Javi? No, it's never fair to expect big game Javi. It's never fair to expect a guy to go five shutout innings and allow one or two hits. Uh, so you knew it was going to happen at some point where Javi didn't have a big game Javi performance, but they were all over him. I mean, the Rangers were all over Christian Javier, pounded Christian Javier, pause, to where he had to get pulled out of the game after just one out. Mayton, like, I would have probably rode Mayton another inning, pause, because Mayton looked pretty good. Yeah, you're like, right. Maybe Mayton another inning, maybe Hunter Brown another inning. Maybe that means you never have to use J.P. France who gives up four runs, but it doesn't matter. You, you lost 11-4. to four. All of these little things don't matter. Rangers pounded the Astros yesterday. Rangers were the better team yesterday. Rangers are off to the World Series. It is what it is. Like, there's not a whole lot of things that you can dissect out of a, a seven-run game. I guess there is, but all of those things add up 
to getting destroyed in a Game 7 in your ballpark at your place against a team that you cannot stand. So you tip your cap to the Rangers. You have to congratulate the Rangers. You have to shake their hand. You have to do all of those things. You have to give them their flowers. Now, you don't necessarily have to root for them in the World Series like some people want to do, but they beat you, and you have to own that. So now that you look at the Houston Astros, and the 2023 season is officially over, 713-780-3776, when you look at the 2023 Astros, how do you define this season? Success, failure, disappointment, how do you define the 2023 Astros season 713-780-3776. Look, I'll start. I I still think it was a success because I think that this team made it to another league championship series facing hurdle after hurdle, obstacle after obstacle throughout the season. And you just see a lot of teams after you suffer the first couple of setbacks with injuries and guys being out for the year and the, you know, just everything piling on that a lot of teams would have just thrown up the white flag, waved the white towel, walked away and said, we'll live to fight another day next season. The Astros just, just kept finding a way, and they had, we, you know, we talked about throughout the season, the unsung heroes, the guys that stepped up with the Dubon filling in for Altuve, Chaz having an unbelievable season, the guys that when their number was called J.P. France, who came out of nowhere to, to, to pick up a ton of slack with the starting pitching, and you ended up being where you've been for the last six years, making it a seven straight ALCS, and you took it all the way to seven games. I can't call that a failure. I can't call that anything other than the season being a success. Sure, you're disappointed in the outcome, but you got to a game seven at your place. You won the division, and you had you had a chance that anybody would kill for it, and you're one of the final four teams in baseball. I can't call that anything other than a success. Yeah, I mean, this is always relative to who's answering the question. Like, you listened to the Astros in the clubhouse yesterday, and they got asked a question. Bregman answered the question. Jeremy Pena answered the question. Uh, they were asked, was this this season a success? And those guys have a high bar, and they said anything short of winning the World Series is, is a failure. So it depends on who you ask. Um, everybody's bar is going to be different. If you're one of the final four teams in baseball, if you're carrying it to a seventh game of an ALCS, yes, you have expectations that the Astros could be one of the best teams. You have expectations that the Astros can win the World Series. I'm not sure I could ever be upset or mad with a team that goes to the ALCS. I'm sure there's been some Yankee teams with huge payrolls where it's like World Series or bust. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to us right now that with this team, it's World Series or bust. Um, you're right, though. With all the injuries that you had, you know, Luis Garcia, Lance McCullers could have helped you a lot. Now, Jordan and Altuve were back. They missed tons of, tons of games in the regular season, but they were back. They were back in the playoff, and they both had a really good playoff. So you can't really use that as an excuse because you won the division. You had home foot advantage, and uh, they were healthy, and they were alive, and they were well. So you can't use those guys, I don't think, as an excuse of, like, postseason failures. Uh, Garcia would have helped you. Lance McCullers would have helped you. I look at a season where you're one of the final four teams left. You, you, you go seven games into an ALCS. I consider that a success. I say that knowing that a lot of people listening to us right now and a lot of people in the city think it's World Series or bust for the Houston Astros. So I, I know that full well. Joe, what do you think? 2023 Astros, success, failure, I mean, I would throw disappointment in there as well mm-hmm. with success, but I don't think that the season was a failure. Yeah, I think this the imagination. I think disappointment is the right answer. Look, they've gone to an ALCS again. They push it to a game seven. They dealt with major injuries to the rotation. Altuve, Jordan, all missed a bunch of time. 
But it was a disappointment. Like, it's not a failure because World Series or bust is a stupid mentality. Then they fail all the time. Like, they've won two World Series, so this season's a major disappointment. Like Big the, time. You look at the other teams in more of the mid-market climate especially. But if you're Tampa, but especially a team like Cleveland, you know, it, it, your ceiling normally is we won the division, we got in the playoffs again. But you, you don't get to, to smell the victory all the way through getting to a league championship series, winning that, getting to a World Series, possibly winning that. Most other team, any other team in baseball would love and take a chance to say we made it to Game 7 of the league championship series and call that, you know, just unequivocally nothing but a success. But when you had the, the longstanding success and sustained, sustained winning that this team has had, it's a lot tougher for the fan base, obviously for the players and, and the organization, because the expectations are we haven't done enough to fall off the planet to where we should still be there. But when you look at all that they've overcome on top of that, it's hard not to say the season as a whole was a success, but you can obviously feel disappointed for the way it ended. Yeah, I think that uh, anytime that your season comes to an end, I think that there's disappointment, unless you're just like a 100-loss team and you can just let it marinate the entire year. But once you get to the postseason, you lose that final game. You're going to have that disappointment. You know, There's only one team that lists the trophy, blah, 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 blah. We know the old adages. We all we all know the old cliches. You get eliminated for the postseason. You're going to feel disappointment. Uh, it's hard for me to ever be super mad at a team that's one of the Final Four. It's hard for me to be mad at a team that reaches the ALCS. Like, if they would have got eliminated by the Twins in the ALDS, I probably would have coped with that better than some. But I, I think that would have been a disappointment yep. because the Astros have very well – or have made it very well known that their bar is the ALCS. They've done it seven straight years. They've been to the World Series four times in those seven years. So you could kind of counterpoint and say, well, you know, World Series is the bar around here. You get to an ALCS, uh, of course you want more. You thought you were going to get more once you're up 3-2. to two. I don't think anybody thought the Astros, at least in Houston, were going to lose both games at Minute Maid Park, although the way they played at home all season long, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. they got to figure something out with Minute Maid Park. I was just going to say, can they? I would uh, absolutely. You can. Is it just the batter's eye? I. I mean, it depends on. Uh, it depends on who you ask. I think the batter's eye is real because these guys talk about it. These players talk about it. Uh, they added paint to the batter's eye late in the year. I think it is legitimate. Uh, is it the reason, or is it you know should they be five uh, under five hundred on the year at home because of the batter's eye? No, other teams are hitting just fine. Um, I. But if the priority is winning for Jim Crane. I would have Jose Altuve and Jordan Alvarez at home plate at Minute Maid Park in the offseason saying, what do you guys need? What do I need to do for you guys to never talk about the batter's eye again? Jose, Jordan, you're the two pillars of this organization. You're my two best offensive players. I need to know from you two what you want. What do you need? What does what do we need to do this offseason for you to get what you want? And this is a never, ever a conversation again. Is it an excuse? Who knows? Is it legitimate? Who knows? Or is, is too much being made about it? Yes, probably. But if I'm the owner of the team and my priorities to win and my priorities to win it all, I'm asking my two best offensive players to, to tell me what I need to do in the offseason to make the batter's eye a problem, make a problem go away to where we never talk about it again. And quite honestly, it's embarrassing how much we've talked about the stupid batter eye. Mm-hmm. You got to be better than a 500 team at home if you have World Series aspirations. You can't go 0 and 4 in the ALCS if you have World Series aspirations. Batter's eye, 
fans off their butts, whatever the case may be, there's no excuse to go 0 and 4. So I'm sick that I, we talk so much about the batter's eye. At the same time, if I'm Jim Crane, I'm having Jose Altuve and Jordan Alvarez advise me what I need to do with the batter's eye this offseason. I mean, short of MLB coming in the playoffs and dictating whether the roof can be open or closed and having it be their call, it's your home field. You need to set that up. We see it all the time from how the grass is cut to where the fences are to whether you're a running team or you know, you're know you're a pitcher-friendly team. And the groundskeeper and everybody involved make sure that it is your home field set up your way so that you should win more games. You finish in the final four of baseball and you finish under 500 on your home field. That's bizarre, but it, it just shouldn't happen. And if there are ways for you to rectify any, if not all of it or most of it, this is the time to do it, and they need to focus on it and then be done with it and make sure it doesn't happen again. All right, no more batters I talk today because I, I think that it is silly to talk about the day that you, you, you're you eliminated. Uh, something you worry about in the offseason, you try to get fixed, but Astros didn't lose because of the batters I. 713-780-ESPN, no. HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch. It's an active Twitch today, and we love it. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. Joe over there is at Joe George Radio. Hip, hip, Jorge. I'm at Jeremy Branham. All right. How do you define the 2023 season for the Houston Astros? Success, failure, disappointment, embarrassing. We got lots to get to today. Dusty Baker no longer going to be the manager of the Astros. What changes to expect this offseason? Astros season over. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Guys, you know what? Everything was on the line last night. It didn't work out in your in the Astros' favor. But when your money's on the line, you got to do what you need to do to make sure that you use a trusted sports book that gives you the tools to win. And that's why I always tell you to go to mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag, it doesn't matter if your team's up or down. You can easily cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning end at the end of the day. Use mybookie.ag for daily odds boosts, same, day, uh, same game parlays. Take advantage of huge prize pool contests. Every single sack, fumble, touchdown, interception is another chance to hit a payday. All you got to do to get started is mybookie.ag, and on your first deposit, use the promo code BET975 to grab a deposit match up to $1,000. Once you're signed up, try the MyBookie money bag to grab all sorts of all kinds of crazy long shot odds, like plus 7000 they have a money bag bet for college football, NFL, NBA. They're there for every sport. You won't find odds like that anywhere else. You get it at mybookie.ag. They've been in business for over a decade. You want to cash out? They'll make sure your money's safe and secure while it's in there, and they'll get it to you when you need it, when you want to get it out of there. Get started at mybookie.ag and use that promo code BET975 for a welcome bonus. As I always tell you, bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, Go to mybookie.ag and use that promo code BET975. Kane is in the building. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. How do you define the Astros season? 713-780-ESPN, 713-780-3776. He's blank on Branham. Felix, underachieved. Uh, Astros run the MLB. Uh, not not this year. A series of unfortunate events. That's a pretty 
pretty mm-hmm. good way to describe that. A little outside the box thinking. Uh, I like that. Uh, one five four two. We lost because too many guys didn't do their job. Tucker and Pena completely disappeared. Really worried about Pena long term. Fromber and Javier were bad when accounted and have been so inconsistent. Dusty did a horrible job managing that game. Sure, but they lost by seven. Like, you're not going to outmanage seven runs. Uh, pulling Hunter Brown was a mistake. I do agree with that. Arkady looked good. He could have went in before France. Uh, could have used Maton another inning. Oh, well, new year coming up. Um, I was thinking back on this series, too. you got to win one of the Fromber games. Like, Fromber's got to win one of the games. If Fromber wins one of his games, he doesn't even get the win. The Astros just need to win a Fromber game. And Fromber, midpoint of this year, was going to be the starter for the American League All-Star team. He was literally the betting favorite to win the American League Cy Young this year, as recently as this summer. So when you have a guy like that that's pitching for you twice in the series, you got to win one of them. You win one of them, you're in the World Series. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, you know, first and foremost, when you look at all of the shortcomings of this team, there's nothing that's insurmountable that says... This team can't be back next year. This team can't get better in the offseason and make a few tweaks here and there and be even better than they were a year this season. But when you look at some of the shortcomings that they had, they came from areas of the team and players and specifically that you did not expect to see them from. Kyle Tucker, just the, exactly what you said about Fromber, the same should, should be said about Kyle Tucker. For most of the season, he carried you. He did things when your big bats were out, when your most consistent players were out. He, you know, he's he's an arguably an inside the park home run away from a thirty thirty season. He's a guy that had the big hits for you and performed at a certain at a very very high level. Jeremy Pena came off the league championship and World Series MVPs to be have another steady season. No one expected him to fall off a planet in this series. No one expected that Framber Valdez. It's one thing when we used to play roller coaster for him, love roller coaster because it was up and down. That got him started on a streak that we hadn't seen before in terms of quality starts. And then, like you said, the first half of the season, there was no reason to believe he wasn't going to be the American League Cy Young Award winner. But even as he went through his struggles in the second half, he threw a no-hitter. You figured he'd figure it out. And he just didn't figure it out well enough for this team to do what it needed to do. And the Rangers did. They went out. They knew where their shortcomings were midseason. They went out, and after losing Jacob deGrom as well, they went out and got Montgomery. They went out and made moves, whether Chapman was a success or not. They tried to enhance a bullpen that was really bad. And they did the things necessary, even though you know we already know they spent a ton, to get to the level where they were capable of taking on the Astros. And last night, they won. Astros did made moves, too, though. I mean, the Astros traded for Verlander. They traded for Graveman. You know, I think Verlander worked out pretty good. Now, not reaching the World Series, and then Drew Gilbert's future. Like, who knows how we're going to look back at the trade. But right now, I'm cool that they made the trade. Uh, Graveman got hurt. Couldn't pitch in the postseason. You know, I don't think Corey Lee's going to be much as a big leaguer. Hope I don't eat crow on that one. Oh, so far he hasn't shown he can. No, he hadn't. So, I mean, the Astros also made the moves. The Rangers win, so their moves look better. But if the Astros win, the, win game seven yesterday, do we say the Astros move look better? So it's like... It swings how you portray well, both moves by a mile based on the outcome of one game. Yeah, no, no. Look, I, I mean, I'll stand by what I said, though. I think that the Rangers had to make more of the moves than the Astros. The Verlander move was you had to make. I think because of the injuries and everything you endured, you had to get another starting pitcher. But the fact that you brought JV back and you also had to take on that salary that was a little bit more difficult to, to take in the process. But it turned out. I agree with you. Well, but I, I ate most of it. Yeah, 
but it still it turned out you lost some pro- yeah you lost, lost prospects along the way yeah you you're going to end up still with the finances of the next couple seasons assuming that he's health wise he's not going to be bad you know have any problems and he's going to be okay he's going to reach the thresholds to get probably two more years out of the deal but at the same time you needed somebody but the rangers needed him more i mean the rangers <clears throat> when they went out and made the moves that they made to get Scherzer to get Jordan Montgomery after already spending just a ton of money first on Seager and Simeon and then spending a ton of money on Uvalde. Um, you know, they, they took themselves out of the basement and put themselves in a, in a position to compete with the Astros where I think all season long, I didn't take them. I, I really never thought that they were going to be there at the end until right before the deadline when you could see how serious they were and it rolled, it worked out for them last night. Yeah. See, I, I put more stock and blame in the pitching than the hitting. Because, like, hitters are going to disappear in the playoffs. It's just the nature of the business. Jose Altuve disappeared last year in the playoffs, and the Astros won the World Series. So, like, the Tucker, like, he he looked awful. I get it. Jeremy Pena stuff. Okay, Jeremy Pena had one really good postseason, and now he's had one really bad postseason. To me, you got to get the pitching from guys that you're counting on in Fromber. Is it a collection of all of it? Yes, I, I put more weight and value on the pitching side of things. Eight four three seven. do you give Valdez a Javier... Javier-like contract based of how he was this year? Well, I think his stuff is still really, really good. And I, I think it. I, I think it's too soon to say I'm going to walk away from a Fromber Valdez extension simply because of what happened here the second half of the season, but specifically, again, in the playoffs. I think there's been a lot of miles put on a lot of arms during this long run of Astros baseball, and they've played deep uh, into the postseason. And I think that some rest is going to do everybody some good. And we'll see what Framber Valdez looks like when he comes back. If there's a conversation to be had where he's not trying to break the bank and go absolutely through the roof, maybe if you're Dana Brown, you say now's the time to have it because I still believe in his stuff. And right now he's not on top of the world mowing people down and looking like the best pitcher in the American League. So maybe if you think you can get a discount or you want to talk to him and see what he's thinking about, you have that conversation. But other than that, I'm not in a in a massive hurry right now to try and sign him to an extension. I mean, if you could sign him to a Javier deal, you do it immediately. Yeah. I mean, you'd be stealing money. Uh, a Christian Javier signed a team friendly deal. He's making less than thirteen million dollars AAV for a starting pitcher. Like, think about that's, that. That's like, starting pitcher is making thirteen million dollars. That's that's stealing money. Even Javier didn't have a good season. That's still decent value, especially for his upside. You get a Fromber Valdez, whose potential to be an American League Cy Young for thirteen million dollars. You do it now. Fromber's never going to sign for thirteen million dollars. There's a reason that he hasn't already signed an extension with the Astros. No, you're right. And I think on the on the flip side of that, if you could sign Kyle Tucker to a Jordan Alvarez type deal. You would do that in a heartbeat, too, based on the fact that you don't expect this to be something that uh, carries over till the start of the next season and beyond. But at the same time, he's never going to do that either because he knows he's got a massive value on the open market. And no one's going to believe that just because he slumped in the playoffs that he's not going to get it all back and more as he goes forward. So you'd love to be able to lock those guys up on bargain deals. You should at least be grateful you got the ones done that you did. And, and Javier's another guy where you hope that the offseason does them some good, the arm gets some rest. And because you already got him locked down, you hope that he comes back and he regains his form as you start next season. Mario, look, the look, the Astros season was an overall success, especially after the September wasn't that great. But the Rangers did spend almost $800 million to get back to the World Series, and we still took them to a game away from the World Series. I, I, I've seen this argument on Twitter, oh, Rangers spend $800 million to beat the Astros. So what? Like, they're allowed to by rule. Like, mm-hmm. what did the Rangers do wrong? Like, I, I don't like that argument at all. Oh, the Rangers spent a bunch of money and beat the Astros. You know, every single team in baseball spends a lot of money. There's some that spend way more 
more than others. Like even the Pirates, they have a $40 million salary. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. But there's teams all throughout baseball that spin. Yankees spin. San Diego spins. It's about spending wisely. Texas spent money in the right places. I'm not holding that against the Rangers. Like, congratulations. They go to the World Series. Did they spend a a bunch of money? Yes. A bunch of teams spend a bunch of money. Yeah, look, you look at the teams that spent the, the, the three teams that spent the most money for this season didn't make the playoffs. It was the Yankees, the Mets, and the Padres spent the most money. But when you look at it consistently, the Dodgers are always spending a boatload of money, and they're trying to stay relevant. And any owner that's in this that understands the business and knows how much they're making at the end of every season, too, they knew if, if you could buy a championship, you know how many owners would sign up first and right away to try and get in line for that? That's something that everybody's in for that's truly into the sport yeah. for the sport. They're not the only team that tries to either. Like, you have to, you have to take your cap out. Uh, like, you have to tip your cap. You can't just be like, well, the Rangers, they bought a World Series. Not really. Not really. Like, they have a lot of really good young players that they home grew to on that team. 7169, I would say persever- uh, perseverance or grit sums up 2023. That's 409, Josh. I think that's, uh, that's fair. I think they're a gritty team. Yeah. 3376, tip your cap to the Rangers. Not a failure. We should take this all in because who else can be where Houston has been the past seven years? It does not sting as bad this round. It stinks because it's the Rangers, I'll yes, admit. I don't like the fact that it's the Rangers in all of this. Now, there hasn't been a repeat champion in Major League Baseball this millennium, so it shows you how difficult it is to do, especially in a sport like Major League Baseball. That's just kind of nice things that you say to somebody who's a little bit sports sad because no one wanted the every one of the Astros to be the first team this millennium to be back to back champion. Absolutely, and as you said, if you lose, if you get bounced by Minnesota, that's tough to take. But there's no animosity there. There's no extra. If you got bounced by the, you know, if you got bounced by the Yankees, it would sting a little bit more. You get bounced by the Rangers, they're your divisional and in-state rival. It stings more. It sucks because last night they outplayed you. Last night, for a team, for two teams that were living parallel universes this entire season, finished tied in the regular season, went to a, a seventh and deciding game, mano a mano, they played their ass off. You didn't. Nine one eight three, seven consecutive ALCS appearances, two World Series, uh, more adversity than any club has faced, even during the juiced eras. These are our boys, and this is our town, homie. All right, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. In the aftermath of the game yesterday, reports came out from the Athletic that Dusty Baker has told people within the club, people outside the club, that he's no longer going to manage. Uh, Dusty didn't confirm that in his post game, but talked about grandchildren, talked about a hunting dog that he is, hasn't seen in a year, talked about not being home since February. Much different than a guy last year who was saying, if I win one, I want to win two. So we all think that Dusty Baker's days as a Houston Astro manager are over, most decorated manager in Astro history. Who is the next manager for the Strohs, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Who do you want it to be? Who do you want to be the Astros skipper in twenty four? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN ninety seven five and ninety two five. He's blank on Branham. Looks like Dusty's done as the manager of the Astros. Who do you want to be the next skipper for the Strohs? 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line 713-780-3776. Where are you at on this, Blankers? Who do you want to see leading the charge for the Astros in 2024? I don't have a definitive candidate right now, uh, but but you know we've kicked it around in the past. I mean, Joe Espada's name has hung around for quite a while. 
Joe Espada has interviewed for other jobs. I don't know if it's because there were internal conversations that said, Joe, if you hang with us, you know, there's a job in waiting for you or we'd really like you to be the heir apparent to Dusty or if it's just that other teams just didn't see enough or, you know, hear enough from him to be a top candidate. But I'm not willing to just jump in and say Joe Espada is the next manager of the Houston Astros. I I think the big thing to me is whether it is a a big, recognizable, sexy name that everybody's going to jump on board with or not, one thing is clear. You you have to have a resume or have and, and or respect in that clubhouse because of who you're dealing with. Because what they've been through, what they've done, what they've accomplished, and who they are, I don't think you're going to be able to pull someone from another organization that's just a you know a bench coach or, or a first or third base coach and just say, that that's the guy that's going to fit right into this team. I think that you got to, it's going to be a thought, long, drawn-out process in some ways to make sure your best players are okay with them and that they have the respect of that clubhouse because there's a lot of veterans that have a lot of clout in that clubhouse. Are you asking the players? I'm talking to the players, absolutely. I would ask the players on internal candidates. Uh, external, probably not, quite frankly. Um, the respect of the clubhouse, yeah, I mean, that should iron itself out during the process, right? Like, you're not going to hire a manager that you're like, I'm unsure if he's going to get the respect of the clubhouse. Like, I think that you kind of iron that out in the whole process. To me, this comes down if you want to keep the same staff or not. Like, do you want Miller and Murphy, the law firm pitching coaches, still here? Do you want Snitker and Cintron as the hitting coaches still here, uh, unless they leave for greener pastures? Do you do you want Omar Lopez to stick around? I'm I'm on the side where I do. Like, I want the continuity. Things have been going pretty good around here. Seven straight ALCSs. You went to four World Series. You won two World Series titles. I like what they have in place. So I want I want the staff mostly back for those that will stay. So I, I'm a Joe Espada guy. I would like Joe Espada. There's are, there, there are some other external names that intrigue me, especially external names that could keep the same staff. A.J. Hinch is being sent into our text line. I think he would mostly keep the same staff as well. So there are some names that, that intrigue me. I'd be happy with Joe Espada. Uh, A.J. Hinch would be kind of controversial, I think, in this city, maybe around Major League Baseball. I wouldn't mind A.J. Hinch I would returning like in 2024. I love that. I don't, at one point, we all talked about how there was this believed opt-out that existed, but I was looking into it last night. That was disputed this season. He has a five-year contract that runs through 2025, but as Bob Melvin, for the <laughs> second time in three Jeez. years, has proven it doesn't matter if you're under contract. Yeah. You can leave. It kind of depends on how much they want you. Like, yeah. like the San Diego GM didn't really want Bob Melvin around anymore. So, hey, GM, can I interview other places? Absolutely you can. Mark DeRosa. Yeah, he came up on the uh, on the Twitter as well. That's my – that's my because I, I think Why? there's something about Spada. It's I heard Paul say this, and I've said it before too. There, I get these like Biennemi vibes. I don't get it. Mm. Like, why is Eric Biennemi not a head coach? Why is Joe Espada not a manager? There's been openings. There's been plenty of openings for Joe Espada, and he just keeps passing on them. Unless there's this agreed upon deal, which he will be the next manager of the Astros. I get that, but I think Mark DeRosa just makes sense. I like someone like maybe it's just because you hear him talk on TV a lot, but he seems like he is a smart analytically driven guy. Like, Why did I, you hire Mark DeRosa? Because I heard him talk on television. No, but like... He should players, hire Blankers. He talks like, good on radio. But like the players have like spoke very highly of him after the World Baseball Classic. And I feel like that was yeah. kind of an indication of, you know, Yadi Molina, Mark DeRosa, like those guys who are managing teams in the WBC. They're, they're probably in line for a job in the future. So I, I like DeRosa. It would be entertaining. It's Bregman's like, guy, right? Yeah, I just I think it's if you're going to go outside the building, too, then... I think. well, but he's really close with Bregman. Is he the, the LSU con- uh, uh, connection? 
Oh, I didn't know DeRosa went to LSU. Yep. Oh, I didn't either. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But like, I just, I think, but I think DeRosa going to be here long term. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> if it's not a spotter, I, I like DeRosa. I, I was going to say Bob Melvin, but the yeah. Giants. Can I throw this up. at you guys? He okay, Let, let's take Jeremy's point. Let's take what you said, Joe. But let's take it in the fact that if you want to keep the coaching staff together, which I would agree with as well, I like what they've done. I think Verlander's a guy because I'm going to talk to the players. Really? You guys are. You guys want everyone to come back? A lot of them. I like the staff. Yeah, I'm not big on Gary Pettis as third base coaching sometimes. <laughs> But I think that the pitching coach and the, the pitching coaches and the hitting coaches have done well. I think Verlander, one of the things that he mentioned about how the pitching coaches use the analytics and break, get you know really deep into the numbers and all that that helps pitchers. That's going to be something you're going to want. Verlander's going to be around. That's why again you go back talking to the players. But I'll throw this at you guys and see what you think. What about instead of Joe Espada? What if it's Omar Lopez? He coached in the WBC. He's got the respect of a lot of the players. I can see that. There's a lot of guys that like him. Yeah, somebody uh, tweeted that one too. The um, that one's interesting. That, that's interesting to me because I don't hate it, honestly. Like I, I like listening to Omar Lopez. We haven't heard him as much as Joe Espada. Um, now he did manage in the WBC, yep. like you mentioned. Now it would be kind of weird because now you're passing up on Espada. Like if you're passing a Espada for Omar Lopez, then yeah, he is being to me. Like then, then yes, well, you, want, yeah. you want him nothing to do with the managerial post for the Astros if you're promoting from within. But you're not taking the right-hand man. If you're Joe Spotter, don't you have to walk away if you don't get the oh, job? Yeah. And yeah. it's Omar Lopez. You yeah. have he's he's going to go be the offensive coordinator for the Washington right. football team. Right. So yes, my, absolutely. My only pushback to like, the entire staff is that the reason, like the Astros fell apart this year in a couple different areas. One of them was runners in scoring position. I think a lot of times that a team that struggles this much in one category like that, you would reevaluate yeah. your hitting coach. I just I don't, I don't know if that's approach hitting and, coach. I think it's more mentality sure. in, like, the player than it is the coach, in my opinion. But if it's the entire team, I mean, one for nine, what they were like, they were three for 26. They were good in Arlington. But they were three Cintron's for 26 at been, home. Where there are times when there are people that thought Cintron was not long for his job with the Astros anymore. Then a lot of people were getting him, giving him love at the end of the season, the way that they came on and the way that he uses analytics and the iPads and video and does the things that he does. So it's been kind of a love-hate with him. I'd be interested if he sticks no matter what. Yeah, and then I think the pitching coaches, too. Like You saw a major rule change, and you saw the Astros really, it feels like more than most teams, struggle with. I mean, look yeah. at the first inning of last night's game. They had no answer at all for these guys, the Rangers just running all over you. And that was a problem throughout the entire yeah. season. So, like, they didn't adjust well to the pitch clock. They didn't adjust well as a, as a team to guys running on them all the time. So I like I just I if with Dana Brown in charge now I I wouldn't be shocked if it's like a full sweep. Bring Bannister uh, home, go Cougs, and then have them bring back Brent Strom because they're on that Arizona staff together. Now I don't think Brent Strom leaves Arizona to be a pitching coach back in Houston. Bannister might take a managerial job at the Strohs. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Out to the HRP listener line, Jason. You're in the hive with the bees. What's up, Jason? How you doing, guys? Great. What's up, man? Um, I, I, I want to say this first of all. I, I love y'all's uh, dialogue there. There's so many different vantage points on what could be an accurate and good manager for the Astros. But I, I, I love the AJ Hinch idea. I mean, my theory is we gave Altuve and Bregman an opportunity to redeem themselves through this cheating scandal. I think we did that for, for Hinch as well. I think we let him come back and redeem himself, prove that he is a legit manager, a, a World Series manager. And also, I think it would help this city with a little bit more controversy to shake things up a little bit because we've always been known as 
root for the good guys. And I think shaking that up a little bit with bringing Hinch back is going to be a spark that this city could use. Appreciate the call, Jason. Uh, you know, the one thing on that was that I heard from a, a few sources that when before AJ was hired by the Tigers and in the year that he was suspended, that Crane was talking to him all the time. That Crane never had any kind of fallout. You know, unlike the Luno situation with Crane. Crane and Crane has a, a high level of regard still for AJ Hinch. He loves his baseball knowledge. They talked a lot. I don't know if that factors in, but we know that you have to deal with the owner on a daily basis. And when you don't have the right chemistry and communication, you can see a guy like James Click be shown the door very quickly just because the owner didn't like him. So I don't know if that factors in as a positive or not, but I think I'd be I'd be very I said when it happened the, the the day that he was suspended and the day that it all went down, I could see another day down the road where AJ Hinch still manages the Houston Astros. I would I would be totally okay if he came back, and I still think to your point, yeah, the, I think the most of the coaching staff would stay intact. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, I've heard that he's in play. Uh, I heard that last year. Once Dusty leaves now. To Joe's point, Detroit's going to have to be willing to to let him go. If Detroit plays hardball and they play contract, then he's not going to be the manager of the Houston Astros. Right. So there's uh, there's more than one hurdle to climb with A.J. Hinch and probably a hurdle that needs to climb before you, he his name's even in the mix. Uh, a lot of interesting names on the text line. Who do you want to manage the Astros next year? 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Killer B's ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Speaking of HRMP, uh, Mike Holly runs HRMP. R&P, go Cougs, U of H class of 1990. He's been protecting the interests of businesses for nearly 25 years, almost three decades now. HRP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, benefits administration, and payroll. They can handle all of that. They can handle one of those things. HRP will work with you to customize a plan for whatever you need. There's nothing cookie cutter about HRP. You're not ordering off a menu. You need a little bit of help. You need a lot of help. Anything in between, HRP is going to be there to create a plan for whatever you and your business needs. Their customer service second to none. Uh, there's never a stranger on the other side of the line when you call. You'll be calling someone that's familiar with you, familiar with your company. I can speak to that customer service. I have lots of questions, as you can imagine. I'm sure a lot of you've picked up on that. Anytime I have a question, I always get a quick response. It's easy to understand. They can do it by the phone. I'm an email guy. Always very quick. Always very easy to understand. And I appreciate that. Let HRP take on the demands of human resources. Eliminate your HR burdens so you can get back to growing your business. Give them a call at 281-880-6525. Let HRMP customize a plan for you, 281-880-6525, or check them out online at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. Hey, Houston, you're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. He's blank on Branham. Martin Maldonado, manager of the Astros. No. Joe? Hip hip Jorge? Jose Jorge? I'm a pass. You're seeing, uh, you're seeing players more than ever go straight from the field to the dugout. But typically it's not straight. Now we are in the midst of Stephen Voigt, as I said. Yes. He interviewed for the Giants job. I think he's it's vote. But vote, the vote, yeah. I think it's he, vote. He's being linked to a bunch of jobs. He's been out of baseball and on his staff. He was on the Mariners staff just this last year. Mm-hmm. And he's interviewing for jobs. So like, but I feel like you typically do at least one year. Well, how long was Ross? Two years? 
One he was, year? Was it like three or four? Was, was it that long? Because like, he was on TV. But he was on ESPN. Yeah. He, yeah. he was on Dancing with the Stars, too. That's true. And he, didn't he win? I and believe? he went to the White House with no a idea. red, white, and blue Stars and Stripes jacket. Yeah. Rossi was on TV for a couple years before he took the Cubs job. Okay. Uh, there's been talks about Molina in St. Louis. He did WBC coaching as well. Uh, he was. There you go. I do feel like Yachty makes more sense because he's just so attached to that organization for so long. Like, Maldi's only been here, like, what, five years total? Yeah, but he's the but leader But Maldi knows the, the game. And, yeah, he, he does have – that's the one thing, if you, if you go by what I said, I think one of the things you have to have is you got to have the respect of the locker room. You know he's got the respect of that locker room already. I think Yachty coming in there, no matter what he did as a player and everything else, there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to have to get to know him and then make a call on him. Yeah, I'm, I'm out on Maldi. I just throwing it out there because a lot of the textures mentioned it. How much decision, how much input, should the general manager have? Like, should Dana Brown oh, be the one all that is interviewing You can't have everybody? all of it with an owner like Should Dana Grant? Brown be Wait. the one that's totally putting the search on? Should Dana Brown be the one that has all influence on who they hire? Dana Brown should lead the search, but Dana Brown is not going to have all the decision-making because Jim Crane is just too hands-on, and he's going to be communicative with whoever they hire on a pretty regular basis to where if it's his team – He's one of those guys that's going to have a say. But Dana Brown, we talked about this when when Click got the job, and again when Dana got the job. Look, you inherit a manager when you're a general when you get a general manager's job, especially when it's your first general manager's job. At some point, you want to get your kind of guy and your guy in the job to work with you instead of walking in and trying to develop a relationship with someone you didn't probably have that kind of relationship with. I think Dana Brown would love to be able to pick his guy. I just don't think Crane's going to let him fully do that. Yeah, I'm on board with uh, Dana Brown being the decision maker. Like, the general manager should be the decision maker. If the general manager's not the decision maker, then you don't have a very good general manager. Like, Luno was making the decisions. Crane wasn't going to walk on Luno. Click pushed back with Crane, and Crane sided with management as or manager as opposed to uh, to Click, and Click's out of town, and Click was a pretty good general manager. Uh, 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Willie, you're in the hive of the bees. What's up, Willie? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Always. Yeah, I I think that uh, A.J. Hitch was the worst manager Houston ever had. And, and he he didn't win at Arizona. He's not going to win in Detroit. And I don't think he can win anywhere unless he hit Houston with some decent players. And I just didn't like him. I, I never wanted a coach to be fired, being an ex-coach myself. But I was kind of glad when he was let go. Who do you want? Well, as long as he's not one of these Duke up and coming guys that put the that's going to put uh, yard dog in, in the second hole. Oh. I, I don't like that kind of stuff. That's what I want. You know, I, uh, I, that's what I'm most looking forward to with the new manager, Jordan batting second. Actually, the, the two most the, the two things that I'm looking the most forward to, Willie, with the new manager is Jordan batting second and Yiner Diaz catching every day. Gonna be like Shohei if he in the second hole. What's wrong he, with Shohei? He, he ain't gonna have nobody to hold base when he come up. You know. You don't believe Altuve? Third, at least he have a what? check. Uh, excuse me. You don't like Altuve? Well, you know that's just one guy. You know, if two guys are up in front, of him, you know, maybe he can hit a three run home. Will hey, you know Showtime? He had forty three home, forty something home runs. Yeah, and he had less. Or B.I.'s, did, did uh, Tucker, uh, 
And the same thing with Judge. They eat all those whole runs, but nobody. I mean, you're there. mentioning MVPs, Willie. <laughs> you're mentioning MVPs. Um, Willie said he didn't want. AJ Hinch, unless he's managing a team like the Astros that has some talent, uh, and he managed the Astros again who have some talent. No, I, I thought he said that he can't win unless he's got a, like team a super team like the Astros that have talent. Yeah, but that means he doesn't think much of him as a manager. He said he couldn't then win anywhere Dusty else. Who's Dusty Baker? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Dusty Baker, Willie loves winless Dusty in Game I mean, Sevens in his career, Dusty has Baker, won nothing is, until he was with the Houston Astros. Is AJ Hinch in the top ten all-time wins in baseball history? He's not, but like there you, you can't say that about AJ Hinch and then also be the ultimate Dusty Baker lover. <laughs> Wins, man. Volume matters. You got to get mean, a bunch of wins. I mean, maybe AJ will get there. He's got 40 years on They're Dusty. Not Detroit. <laughs> He's not getting there if he stays in Detroit. Vince Carter played a ton of games and get all that many wins. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Back out to the HRP listener line. Alfonso, you're in the high with the bees. What's up, Alfonso? Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, man. So, uh, the loss yesterday, man, I wish... You know, the staff would have thought about, you know, we can't win home. You know, we're we're almost to the Halloween aspect. They should just change the whole Minimate to, you know, to the Ranger Stadium, had all, all our fans dress up in blue and just boo the hell out of our team. I'm sorry if I curse. I'm sorry. But they should have booed our think team. I you did. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, we, they should have booed our team to, you know, get that feeling like they're playing the Ranger Stadium so we could get runs in. Yeah. And I also think I would I would love AJ Hinch as our uh, manager. Let's go full dark, you know. Let's go full dark and just live up that aspirin like the Patriots. Uh, you know, let's be the most hated team, which we are, and let's just get AJ Hinch back. I'll hang up and listen. Appreciate it, Alfonso. Yeah, you can be the bad guy. Be the bad guy. Be the well, team that everybody hates. Although it wouldn't be the first manager that's been involved in sign stealing that's been employed by another baseball team. Well, no. I mean, Alex Cora is doing a heck of a job, and he's he's actually. Survived the suspension and came back. So, uh, you know what? I, I think that the one you've, there's a lot of reasons why you will, you can also move on and not even have to worry about getting AJ Hinch back here. But when you think about it, I mean, the the fact of the matter is, is that there's going to be other. I think this is going to be a very sought after job. I, I think that a lot of people are going to want this job. I don't know from an AJ Hinch perspective, you know, if he can, like you said, if he can get out of the Detroit deal, that'd be one thing, but. I do think that he would still have the respect of a lot of people in that organization. And if you want to go full-blown bad guy again and have everybody hate you, there, there's no doubt that'll stir it all up again. But it's still a really good baseball team. You just That's why it's so imperative. you got to get – because, you know, we talk about the fact that do you get a guy that it's the wrong fit or should you talk to the players or not? Well, you know, they didn't really talk to the players that they got with the Rockets with Steven Silas, and that was a mess. San Francisco had a problem because they went and got a guy with experience like Gabe Kapler, but Gabe Kapler is more of a disciplinarian. He rubbed everybody the wrong way quickly, and then that fell apart to the point where he got fired. Joe Girardi was an old-school guy, didn't fit in with Bryce Harper and the guys in the clubhouse, and, and, and he got bounced. I think it's imperative in today's sports that you talk to your best players when you're hiring a manager. Yeah, see, I think good managers figured it out. Like, I don't – like. I think good managers come in there and they figure out the the temperature of the clubhouse. They figure out how to adapt. They're like water, and they bring the best out of people. Uh, I don't I don't think that the the players should have say. I think good managers figure out the the pulse of the locker room and the clubhouse and, and figure things out on that front. Three two two nine. The head coach manager of any pro sport is the most overvalued thing ever. The players are ninety five percent of the production. The drop off from one pro coach to the next is negligible. 
Um, I think it varies by sport. I think it matters a lot in football. Um, look at D'Amico versus Lovey and David Cully. I think it matters a, a good amount in basketball, especially college basketball. I think it's massive in college basketball. In baseball, I mostly agree, and I think the most important job for a manager in baseball is more clubhouse than between the lines. I think that's where Dusty shined, and we couldn't really see it, was clubhouse versus managerial decisions. Now, let's concede the point to 3229. Let's let's concede that ninety five percent of the production is player driven. Okay, we're conceding that point to you three two two nine, where margins are so thin in all professional sport, and and like millions of dollars are spent on international players who are sixteen that never sniffed the big leagues and amateur drafts and all of these things where you're trying to find an edge. If the manager's only worth five percent of the production, shouldn't that be taken very seriously? Yeah. That's Absolutely. Like 95% of the production players. Cool. If 5% of the production is the manager, then you need to be like, you need to spend every resource on that and take that super, super serious. Not just like, oh, you only count for 5%. Let's go hire Joe George to be our manager. I'm like, what? What kind of logic is that? And the thing is, too, when you're thinking about some of the things, when you talk about the money that they spend internationally, when you do get the players that start to develop, when you get the guys like Yiner that start to shine and, and you, you, know, they, you want to see them on the field, the last thing you can do is deal with a guy that's hell-bent old school and not going to play a guy like that when you need to really see what the kid can turn out to. And maybe he could have been a help for you or more of a help for you as you go through the season. I, I think that there has to be a balance. And I think that... Even if you have a great team on paper and you look at Showalter with the Mets, I don't. I think that was another disconnect where you got an old school guy that's crotchety, set in his ways, and he's you got a, a, a whole mound of money spent throughout your clubhouse, and you grossly underachieve, and and you look at it and say, did the manager make a difference? I think he still can. Yeah, they got to go out and perform, but. When they come into the the clubhouse already pissed off, or if there's lineups that they don't agree with, or other things. There's there, we saw it with Tuck. There's guys that'll go in the tank. There's guys that aren't going to perform at the highest of levels. We give you everything they got so if they don't Tuck, like the manager. So you think you say Tuck? Tuck like, like, I'm saying like a, a Tuck in the playoffs, where you can get a guy that if they're struggling or whatever, they can go in the tank. The same way that that's the case. There are guys that are going to come into the clubhouse if they don't like the manager and the decisions being made. They're gonna they're not going to have the right frame of mind and attitude when so they are, play are, the game. Are you? I'm just just to be clear, not to be sarcastic like I normally am. Are you? Are you blaming Dusty on Tuck's failures? No, I'm not at all. Okay. No, I'm saying, but from a different perspective than just Tuck. I'm just saying we saw his body language. We saw a guy that looked like he was broken in the playoffs. But there are other guys that can be broken in different ways. There's mm-hmm. a veteran that gets mad that he's not getting more say or that he's not batting where he wants to bat. And if the manager's not hearing it, talking to him about it, talking through it. They're going to be like, I'm getting my money. I don't care yeah. what, you know, I'm going to be pissed yeah, off. I just firmly believe, like, then you should trade those players. You should, I, but it's not too. as easy to do. And I don't think the Mets' problem was Walter. I think the Mets were just super poorly constructed. Like, I, I don't think that was a well-built team. You had a lot of internal, though. You had the Verlander and, and Scherzer stuff. What was going on with Verlander and Scherzer? They, the, were, uh, they were friends no, for the first time no. since Detroit. But the the analytics thing. Yeah, story at that the end out. of it, there was is a that, disconnect. And, is that Walter though? Or is it's that part of the coaching staff? Management? It's part of the coaching staff. But is analytics on the manager or the general manager? I think it's on both. Uh, we know, saw it. We saw it with Dusty Baker. Right, Dust- right. Dusty Baker hated it. Dusty Baker wanted nothing to do with it. Like analytics are from the front office. That's front office stuff. Now, AJ Hinch was all for it because he was willing to listen. Like, do you think who was responsible of analytics in Houston? Jeff Luno or AJ Hinch? But but that's I think both of them. No, come on. Like I think AJ whole, Hinch when he left Arizona was an analytics guy. He was he was open to it, but he's not the one that's sitting there in Nerd Cave and like like deciphering every single split that exists. They give him the information and then he does with it what he wants. And AJ Hinch was super adaptable and was super 
like pro analytics, whereas Dusty's very anti analytics. But you're talking about like the analytics of the game. That stuff's coming from the suits in the front office. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line. Who do you want to manage the Astros? And should we be thanking Dusty Baker today? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five ESPN ninety two five.